What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Mind, Heart, Muscle podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gallo, and today's episode is really inspiring. We talk to Jordan Lamy. He is an ultra-endurance runner, father, a good friend, a really good dude all around. And he talks about how he went from running zero miles to running over 100 miles in one shot. And what was really cool about his story is that throughout the process of getting into this new sport, um, testing his limits and seeing what his body is capable of, he found gratitude and really learned to appreciate everything in his life throughout his training, throughout his prep and his racing. Before we get to the show, I do want to talk about the upcoming events that we've got going on. And we're really excited to talk about these things. Um, first is the Language of Leadership Workshop. This is uh, October 13th, 6 p.m. on Zoom. And what we're going to do is talk, uh, not talk, we're going to deep dive into what leadership is from a, the perspective of how you present yourself and how you speak. Um, we believe, we understand that there is a language, a specific language that helps to command um, respect, um, both for yourself and for um, it with other people. Um, it builds confidence. It helps you be more clear and direct and more inspiring as a leader. And I know how hard it can be um, to be in a leadership position. Uh, if you are a business owner or a manager of some sort, uh, a parent, a teacher, even a good friend sometimes, uh, it's difficult to get your point across in a way that feels like you're trying to help someone. And you know that when you are in a leadership position, what's important is that everybody succeeds and that whatever it is that you are leading, whoever it is you're leading is able to grow from that experience. Um, and leadership as a whole comes down to what we believe to be three things. Number one, taking ownership. Number two, being decisive. And number three, being clear. Clear on yourself and clear on your goals. And clear in your speech. Now, we dive into these three topics and do our best to help you understand where uh, you might need the most um, training. A lot of people, myself included, have been in positions throughout their career where it's important for them to be confident and to be able to speak in a way that motivates and gets people's attention, especially when you're on a clock especially when you have a job to do, especially when people's careers depend on you. 
we found tools and we're going to share them with you. This workshop is completely free. We want everyone to experience this and we mean everybody. This really is for anyone. It's, it's for the teachers who want to be able to inspire their students. It's for the leaders in industry to be able to bring their team to a higher level and be able to be more profitable in your business. It's for the good friends that want to help friend, help other friends out when they're feeling down or when they need a little direction. It's for the parent who wants their kids to see that uh, life is all about growth and all about um, learning. It's for anyone. And uh, you're welcome to join. Link right here in the, the description of this podcast. You can also check us out on Instagram, at mindheartmuscle. We'll come right up. Link's in the bio. Now, without further ado, enjoy the show. Do it. Yes. Okay. Ron White. Yes. Okay. Matt Gallo. Jordan. Jordan <laughs> Lamy. Today, we're uh, we're gonna chat about some. What Ron? We we were on the call before this. Ron and I were talking before, and and he referenced what you did, Jordan, as very extreme. That's a quote. Direct quote from Ron. I said that shit. <laughs> <laughs> very extreme. Um, what? Yeah, I'll let you describe that. So. Um, Jordan, tell us your your story. What, what we were just talking about. Start right. start there. So it started. Joined, tried and true to kind of get in shape back in. I looked it up today. It was like 2015. I think it was right around Thanksgiving time. I don't know. We did some. We signed up for a Saturday workout. Did some crazy workout. My wife and I both, Jenna, kind of signed up. Got into CrossFit. Something I followed for a long time. Cause I was into fitness, even when I wasn't in shape, which is kind of weird. Um, and it kind of prompted me to start getting into shape and doing other things and then kind of be more of an all around athlete. And like, I just told you guys that I was about 20 when I started lifting. So I was late to the party, I guess, compared to most people. I didn't lift in high school. Uh, I had no confidence. I didn't like, I was afraid to lift in the gym around people that were playing football or whatever. Cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Obviously I didn't have the balls to ask. So I kind of did it in college, kind of got me into lifting in a powerlifting class. And then it kind of got me into working out. Um, but joined tried and true, trying to get in shape because I was overweight at that point. It was probably my heaviest in my life when I joined there. I was graduated high school at like 170, always kind of naturally lean. I put on a freshman 30, not a freshman 15 in college. So that bumped me up to about 200. And then I worked in the gas industry, which for people that don't know, it was a really rough industry, rough life, not a lot of sleep. I don't know, hundred hours a week and you work like 15 days in a row. So you eat like shit, you sleep like shit and you gain weight. So I gained like another 30 pounds. So next thing you know, I'm 230 pounds and trying to fix my life. So I kind of got into CrossFit and then made me realize who cares if you can bench 300 pounds, if you can't climb a tree or you can't do a pull up or can't do normal human things. So it made me decide like, Hey, I need to do some other stuff and kind of just on a whim signed up for a triathlon. And then it kind of, the rest was history, I guess. That's a funny line. You just spoke out. Um, who cares if you can bench 300 pounds, if you can't climb a tree, 
And uh, we, Ron and I talk about like taking time to just play and do stuff and have fun. And, and it, it's, it's things like that, that we forget about that are so valuable, like climbing trees, climbing ropes, throwing things around, doing triathlons. Like you do that because it's fun, right? Like you signed up for that because you're like, oh, I could do that. And it'll probably be a good time. Yep. What, what happened after that, after you signed up for your triathlon? So I knew absolutely nothing about it. It's one, you, you'll find a theme here, but I just kind of jump into things. So <laughs> I was so clueless about triathlon. I, I had a mountain bike, so I didn't even have a, you know, even a road bike. I didn't even know, like they transitioned. Like, I didn't know how it worked. I'm like, is there changing rooms? Like, luckily they didn't laugh at me when I emailed them. Like they probably laughed to themselves. Like, what is this kid? But I'm like, where do you change? You know, how do you change? Can people help me get changed? Can I have a crew? And there's none of that. I mean, it's all on your own. You go mm -hmm. onto the bike wet right into the run in the same stuff you're wearing pretty much. Um, and I didn't know how to swim, which is kind of stupid. I knew how to doggy paddle and I've swam like the average adult, I guess we kind of swim around in a river or a Creek playing, but that's not really knowing how to swim. So <clears throat> Yeah, I signed up for a sprint, I should mention, which is like, it was like a 750 yard swim, which I thought not that far I can survive. It was called the lumberjack triathlon in Williamsport. Um, it was like a 15 mile bike and then a 5k run. I didn't know when I got there, I looked at the swim and it was insanely far. It looked like a lot further than 750 yards, but you had to swim downstream, turn around and swim back upstream. Oh uh, shit. Whoa. Yeah. So swimming upstream was really hard. The downstream wasn't so bad. And you doggy paddled the whole way. I did. So <laughs> luckily though, it counts like officially, but to me, it yeah. kind of doesn't count is they have kayaks in the water and like rescue boats and stuff. And the kayaks are there to assist you. You can hang on to one for assistance. They just can't make forward progress for you. You have to make any forward progress, but you could take a break. Thank God. Mm. Uh, but there was actually a point where I was kind of taking in water. I was choking to where the rescue people actually asked me, if I was okay, ask the kid if I was okay in the kayak, if I was drowning and I was, but I kind of regained my composure and that's, it took me 52 minutes to finish the swim. The first place girl out of the water took 12 minutes. So I came out of the water dead last, but it's kind of where I realized like, I, I'm not going to give up. Like I'll die before I give up. So it's something that kind of, it just, it didn't really break. It changed something in me. Like, holy shit. If I just, don't give up. I can do cool stuff. Dude. So, so you I went into it. that, you went into that, not knowing how to swim and you finished that swim. Yes. <laughs> I finished awesome. it, but dead last. And I looked at people ahead of time. There's some dudes like in their sixties, kind of like a, you know, belly on them. I'm like, all right, at least I'll finish ahead of these guys. They got gray hair. Totally wrong. Like they destroyed me. Everybody destroyed me. Even people in the Olympic swim, which they did two laps mm. destroyed. Me. So it was very humbling. And, you know, you can't judge somebody by how they look, especially in endurance sports. I've learned that for sure. Mm. So, I mean, that got me behind. I did pretty good on the bike, but again, I'm on a mountain bike, which doesn't have a gearing or road bike. So people are just flying by me on the road. And I, I ended up finishing dead last. I couldn't make up enough time and I finished dead last. So I signed up for something. Everyone always says, I don't want to get last. I got dead last, but I finished. How did that I feel? It was amazing because I'm like, there you I guess go. I can call myself a triathlete now, which <laughs> I finished a triathlon. I mean, most people haven't done that. So I'm like, all right, it's cool. It kind of sucked to get last. But now 
looking back on it, like I'm glad I did. And I could say I got last place and it's not really that bad. And nobody cared. Yeah, you can look That's at that. That's true. No one cares. <laughs> you can you can look at that. I, I like the fact that, you know, most people, most people don't even try. You know, like it, it takes guts to sign up alone let alone get in the water and go for it and uh it dude and like you would have rather died like i'm gonna absolutely i'm gonna die here before i quit um sounds familiar with the book that i'm currently reading like uh it's that it's that that concept man it's like you gotta take give up out of the equation Hey, that's a, that's a cool way of thinking about it. Like, Hey, what are my options? Because giving up is not one of them. So you could keep going or die trying. Yeah. What's that? What was, it wasn't that like a, an album? Who, who was that? Or get, was, uh, get rich get, or die get trying. Rich or that, die trying. <laughs> that uh, 50 cent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that definitely translated to the most recent, um event you took took part in could you uh you want to talk about that yeah you want me to start at the beginning of the year like with the triple crown or just eastern states yeah dude, let's go dude where are you wherever your heart is going all right i mean i'll go i'll just i'll try to be quicker about it but it kind of that triathlon transitioned into holy shit i don't know how to run that well so Two months later, I jumped into a half marathon, never ran it. Didn't even know what times to run, kind of Googled it. Uh, good time is around two hours. So I'm like, all right, I'll shoot for that. I have no idea. I ran it like 206. I'm like, okay, not bad. That's awesome. I did that in Williamsport. Yeah, which That's a great I did time. okay for not training. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really train for it, which again is a common theme. Uh, but I met somebody there that I kind of knew of at work, um, a girl that I, run, I still run with today. Her and another guy ended up kind of getting me into trail running. And I realized like I hunt. So I'm like, this is awesome. It's kind of combining mm. the outdoors with running. I don't like road running. I love trail running. So I just kind of progressed through, jumped nice. into a bunch of trail races, learned of, you know, Eastern States was there. I guess I used to, uh, I'd follow like Cameron Haynes, who was a hunter, but also ran, you know, an ultra runner. And I'm like, it's transitions into translates to hunting. It makes my hunting easier. So it kind of got me into the ultra thing, looking into that. Um, so I just started jumping into races. You can't ever just jump into them. They make you qualify. So well, those I, longer ones. Yeah. You got to qualify. Yeah. yeah. So I did, I signed up, uh, I, the longest one I'd done that you didn't have to qualify for was a 24 miler. That was like 6,000 feet elevation. And luckily that allowed yeah. me to qualify for a 50 miler, which mm -hmm. I only signed up for to qualify for Eastern States. So I knew I had to do it. So that was like 2019. So my running career is pretty short. I mean, I started 2017 till now. So I signed up for a 50 miler. Luckily, the other one was hard enough. It qualified me. Drove up to, it was in Ithaca, New York called the Cayuga Trails 50. Kind of drove up mm -hmm. there on my own the morning of, ran the race. I finished it. Um, that morning. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't, oh yeah, <laughs> I just went up and tried it. And basically, once I hit halfway, I was in my longest run of my life. I'd never gone more than halfway. It was a marathon, so or I guess a little short of a marathon, but it was my longest run. I finished in like 14 hours, and that's when I realized, again, like, just keep doing stuff. If I keep moving, I can finish it. You know, people that were much faster than me, because it would show you their splits. 
at a halfway point, which a lot of racers don't show you. I could see runners that were much faster than me drop. So I'm like, all right, like I can maybe be something just with a mental game. I'm not fast, but with a mental game, I can beat people that are faster than me because I didn't quit. So I'd like, at least I finished. Talk about that mental game a little bit. What was it like to, to think that way? So I, it's weird. I never used to have it. Like I, like I said, I didn't have it growing up. Um, like I quit sports in high school because I didn't think I was good enough. Um, I was not a popular kid in high school. I didn't work out because I was afraid because I didn't know what I was doing. So I guess it just slowly builds. And then that was kind of the addicting part. Like as I did things and didn't quit and realized I could do them, it just slowly kind of progressed. Like I could do whatever I want to do. Like, I, I don't know. It slowly built my confidence. And that's why I continued with ultra running. Cause sometimes like ultra race running at a lot of times is not fun. It's pretty terrible, you know, while you're in it. And I would, I would not tell somebody like it's good for your body, but it is so good for my mental game. Mm. Um, so that I think CrossFit definitely taught me how to like suffer. Like you get, I like when you do a workout and you get to this dark place where you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to finish. Like I'm not even halfway through the workout yet and I'm dying, but you go to that dark place. So I guess CrossFit kind of started that, like go to these mm. dark places and then to get through them. And I think I told Ron this weekend, like it even helped me with parenting. Like I look at everything almost like a really hard workout. Like I can get through it. Like it kind of sets you up for everything. We talk about that uh, a lot on here is, um, is, you know, just putting, putting yourself into a very uncomfortable situation by choice to make you more resilient, to face, to face whatever life has, um, is going to throw at, throw at you. So uh, my personal beliefs are it's, it's the best way. It's the best way to develop that mentality of, you know what I faced, I face that I can face anything. And when, you know, when, when you make the choice to, to suffer for fun, suffering from things outside your control, just gets a little bit easier. Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer too, that we don't, we have it too easy. We don't suffer enough in daily life. You know, it's so easy. It's air conditioned and it's, you know, it's just easy. We got our phones, we got technology. It's just life is too easy. So it's almost like I crave that part, you know, almost, I don't know, I guess like an ancestral part of me, like I want to suffer because I don't do it day-to-day life. And then when you suffer and overcome it, I don't know, it just gives you this confidence that again, that I didn't have that I now have, which is, I don't in, insanely beneficial. And I, I also believe that you can train mental toughness I don't know how I would teach somebody that, but you could definitely learn it. Like I've definitely acquired it over the years where I didn't have it before. So going into uh, Eastern States, which is uh, uh, a hundred mile race um, here in Pennsylvania, uh, real close to where you live, right? Yep. Only about 20 minutes. So that was one of the coolest parts is it was a backyard race. Which was So cool. what was your preparation like or lack thereof? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely a lack thereof. Um, I, I kind of did a minimalist plan. I mean, I was, I'm working out usually five days a week. And when I work out, like I go there with a purpose, uh, you know, I won't say every day, but I usually try to push myself to that dark place, you know, push my limits and build my leg strength, build some muscular endurance. And then I would just do some minimal training on the weekends, you know, uh, in the, in the early year of the years, five, seven miles, I ran a 10 K early in the year in March. 
Um, and then I was signed up for the triple crown. So it was a slow progression. So my races kind of helped me build, but I just did some minor running. Uh, Heiner 50 K was in April. So I ran that, that, that was, uh, 30 miles, about 7,000 feet elevation. So that was kind of the next step in my training. And then I had until June to get ready for world's end hundred K. So I upped my training a little bit, um, did world's end, which got me, that was 63.8 miles, I think like 12,000 feet elevation, um, which was a wild race. It was very difficult. It was like 91 degrees. It was that one. It's uh, up at World's End State Park. So it's up oh, okay. near Brooksville, PA. Um, beautiful. I'd never been there. Again, drove up the morning of, did that race. I, at least I had a crew that time. I've never had a crew before, which a crew is amazing. Um, and it was basically, I didn't want a crew because I never needed one, but it was a test for Eastern States. I knew I'd need a crew. So I had, my wife came up and then the two owners of the gym that I go to now, Jody and Andy Wirtz, they came up and they didn't know it. None of them knew anything about it. They're, they're runners, but not, they're just kind of leisure runners. So mm. none of them knew anything about crewing or ultra running. They're just like, Hey, we're, we'll come up, we'll check it out. And then Andy paced me because I, we knew he would pace me at Eastern States. Um, but it ended up being really hot. It was only like a 43% finish rate. It was really low. And we finished like it was a 19 hour cutoff and I finished in 18 hours and 54 minutes. So I was like six minutes. So close. Squeaked, yeah. squeaked right in. And that's, I guess that one kind of helped build some mental toughness again, because he knew at that point you have a pacer, they think for you, like you can't think you're kind of drained. Mm-hmm. The race finished around midnight. So we're running in the dark. And in order to make it, we had to run the last, once it was the last six miles, we had to run it. And I'm already, you're already destroyed at that point. And I ran my fastest splits over the last six miles like i ran some 11 12 i think 13 minute miles i had to run to make it but i'm glad like had he not been there to push me i don't know that i would have finished but again i had to give you some confidence man it to does, finish yeah. that and and crush it at the end yes like i had another gear like i could tap into you know he kind of motivated it was there he helped me tap into it but once i knew that i had another gear even after that level of suffering and wouldn't quit um it was pretty cool. And then to actually finish it and then finding out that it was like a 43% finish. So, you know, I forget how many people dropped. It was like over a hundred some people dropped again, phenomenal runners and just quit. The heat got to them. Um, also, I guess I forgot to mention, I had a really hard time. I ran hard because I was behind. I didn't know how to tell them when I would be somewhere. I, I guess. So I was behind when I was supposed to meet them to get him to run with me. And I ran too hard and it was hot. And I started having stomach issues. So at like mile 43, I started, between 43 and 50, I started puking. Like I was drinking water and eating and my stomach just bloated. It was not going into my body, which is freak. I could feel it floating. I was starting to cramp up and I had to throw up. And I, so it started to freak me out a little bit when you're taking in nutrition and it's not going into your body, which come to find out later is because the blood kind of left your stomach. It's going to your skin to cool you down and it's going to your muscles because you're running too hard, but I didn't have the option of slowing down and it was really hard to cool down. So for whatever it was, 20 more miles, I had to fight. I I could only keep ginger ale down. That's all I could do. So no sodium, you know, no electrolytes, no real nutrition. So I was a little nervous about that, but pushing through that, I'm like, all right, again, I could do anything if I can push it. Like I can throw up and keep running. It's not recommended. But I'm like, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm going to die before I quit. 
I th- and this was the longest run going into. It was the longest run of the year, though. Yeah, and it was it was the longest run of my life. My longest one prior to that was last year during COVID. All this was supposed to happen last year got canceled. I ran a virtual race. It was a fifty-seven miler, but no real cutoff, so it wasn't that bad. Um, and I kind of did that one. I guess semi untrained. We we did a little bit of training for that one, but uh, it was the longest race of my life. Yeah. We're talking about this stuff really uh, nonchalantly, and I want to just give listeners a little bit of a understanding of this the scale of these things. Imagine like you know, every, every, so many how many people have gone for a run, like a short run. They get tired after <laughs> a couple of minutes, or maybe maybe they get a mile in. The average person at a at a CrossFit gym runs like a mile at a time on the high end, right? And, and you're doing that 50, 60, 100 times in one shot without the, you know, the, the ability to stop and sit down, go and sit in the car, get in the air conditioning um, without food on hand the whole time. Like you have, you prepare, you can bring gels and things like that. You have your aid stations they're i i would guess far apart you know there's one nine miles away something like that so you're and and you're very much on your own for a lot of it because when you do races like these there's a few hundred participants it's not like the uh, you know your local 5k where there's a lot of people and you're in your hometown or you know these big marathons or anything where there's thousands of people this is a few hundred over the span of you know, 50 to 100 miles in the woods, in the middle of nowhere, right? Yep. So it's, it's, a, it's different. It's, it's got to be a, a different feeling when you're out there, you're on your own, you have no idea where you are in space. Time is, is a little off because you're thinking about pace and distance. And, uh, and you're wondering, like, okay, where am I? What's going to happen next? Am I going to finish this thing? You're probably, this is probably a lot going through your head. What was, what was that like when, when you were out there by yourself and just thinking? I've, I've learned. So when you asked about the mental, I kind of skipped over that part, but that's something I've come to appreciate. Um, I'm weird. Like a lot of people take music and I'm kind of weird for this, but I almost, for me, not for anybody else, I almost feel like music is cheating. Like it's making it easier for me. I like the, I would never tell anybody it's cheating to listen to music because it's absolutely not. But for me, I like, again, I like the suffering. I like to be alone in my thoughts. It's almost, it's similar to meditation, even though you're not getting rid of your thoughts. It's like kind of accepting, like you get, it's time to think. So it's just time where you get to, it's almost like meditating while you're running just it's this long time and all these thoughts go through your head or your family or your life. It's just time to think like you have not, all you're doing is running. So you got tons of time to be alone, contemplate things. You think a little bit about the race and your pace and kind of how much it sucks sometimes, or making sure you don't hurt yourself or cramp up or just make sure I get my nutrition in. But it's a lot of alone time to think and get lost in my own thoughts. And I've come to appreciate that. So I don't like music. I did. I, I'd rather just run without it and be alone in my thoughts and, and just think. And it's kind of, again, that kind of helps build the mental mm. 
also we were having this conversation before me, me and ron and i was um i told him i i was i listened to a podcast recently and there was this the the world record holder for the 100 miler and it's something it's a like 11 hours it's ridiculous that zach bitter yeah and it was on a track mm-hmm. and i'm like what do you do for 11 and a half hours running on a track you're just running in circles nonstop. yeah and you you gotta you gotta have something in your head music or i don't know voices maybe do you have voices in your head a lot of times you end up it's weird but it'll be the last at, at the 50 miler i there was a one of the songs that the was on one of the kids shows that they were watching on TV was on repeat. Like it, you'll get like a stuck record and I forget what it is, but it was one section of a song on a kid's show just kept looping in my head. And then a lot of times it'll usually be one of the last songs I listened to on the way there or something. And I would say, I don't know all the lyrics. So I like, I'll sing. It, it's just a loop in my head, like one part of a song over and over. Um, when I'm not thinking of something, it's just that it'll kind of go back to that. Like you'll think of something and then it'll go back to that song. You'll kind of be playing it in your head. So it's almost like I'm playing my own music. You know, it's a little weird, but it's like, that's like having a mantra in your head and you're just replaying it to keep yourself Zen yeah. focused. Brain so. Cool stuff. so tell us about the hundred miler. What was that like? So after I should, most races, I just, I'm just, I, I don't care that much. Like I'm not a serious runner. I know I'm not going to do great. I just go and do them and try to finish them. You know, again, it's more for me than it is for accolades or whatever. Um, I, I saw a shirt that says finish lines, not finish times. I'm like, that is, that is my, I need that. That is me. But for the first time, I was actually nervous for a race. Like, because I knew how hard world's end was before that, I never really get too upset. The cut, I, I was having dreams about it, you know, dreams where, I forgot my shoes. I forgot my poles. Like, I guess you call it a nightmare, I guess, because I'm that I rarely remember my <laughs> dreams, but I remember that like I forgot stuff. I wasn't prepared. And then I started to second guess my lack of training. So I guess going into this, at this point, I had accumulated 294 miles of training, which to the average Joe is a lot. Uh, 94 miles of that was races. Those are the two big races. But then I compared that. I'm like, I want to know where I'm at. So I compared it to my friend that I run with, a couple of friends at work. One, the girl had 1,200 miles. And the guy that I, another guy that I run with at work, he had 1,500 miles. And then talking to somebody on the trail, another guy, he had 2,000 miles. So in comparison, what I did was nowhere near what you should do mm. to actually be prepared. Not so even I'm a, a little, quarter. <laughs> right. But so I was a little nervous about that, but I knew, again, I knew I'm not, I know I'm not going to quit. It's just, can I make the cutoffs? Can I go through it? But it was a, the whole day was surreal. And I, I kind of told Ron over the weekend, like I've been reliving the thoughts in my head. Like it keeps replaying. It was the coolest experience of my life. It kind of started out in the morning, it starts out at five. So it's dark. Everyone's got a headlamp. So it's kind of like a cool vibe. There's a guy there. Um, and our, kind of, our little friends group says a prayer for everybody. It was just, I don't know, that was a real cool, just a real deep time. You know, everyone's just kind of real quiet, ready to go. And then just kind of went, like once it starts, usually the butterflies go away, but they still didn't go away. I was still, I knew what I was in for. I had an idea because of how hard World's End was. 
So I'd say until about mile 20, I didn't lose the butterflies, but um, I should say I had it planned out ahead of time. I had a crew. Um, my wife was crewing me. So for people that don't know, a crew goes around to certain aid stations and they can help you change clothes or whatever. They can bring you food, um, whatever you need. They're basically waiting on your hand and foot, which is amazing. So I had my wife, uh, I had Jody and Andy who were, who were with me at the last race. I had a girl named Jill who was going to pace me and ended up hurting herself. She's a really good runner. And then I had a guy named John Schaefer who was one of my pacers. So I ended up having three pacers. Two of them are part of my crew. Um, and you only have certain aid stations where you can meet them. So there's like five aid stations out of hundred miles. So basically every 20 miles I can meet them. So I'd have five, six hours. So I had to make a spreadsheet for them and project where I'd be at certain places so they could kind of meet up with me. Um, and I ended up being, I was ahead of schedule. So I was feeling once, once I got ahead of schedule, then I started feeling good. So I'm normally behind schedule. So then I, the, the butterflies went away. When I met them at mile about 18, I was like 20 minutes ahead of schedule. And then I started feeling pretty good. Um, I had to wait until mile 43 until I could pick up. They make you run the first 43 yourself. You can't have a pacer. You can have a crew, but I think they do it just to weed some people, like make you suffer a little bit. Like you got to suffer on your own a little, make <laughs> sure you're ready for it, you know? <clears throat> so I picked the guy up there. I got a little bit behind there at some point, you know, I, I probably walked to some places where I shouldn't, uh, but I was trying to save myself because I knew how hard it would be. And that's the really hard part about an ultra is knowing how hard to go out. Like you feel great in the beginning and a 5k, you could just take off like a rocket or a 10k, whatever, even up to a 25k. I mean, you can go out pretty hard, but here you got to hold back like the hills where you think you can run a hill, you walk it, you make yourself walk it. So that's a mental game you're playing with. Like, am I going too fast or am I going too slow? Um, so I got, ended up getting a little bit behind when I met my first pacer, but I met up with him because of the way things fell. I had pacers before that. And I started losing people up until like the week before I kind of lost. I had all these, I had more pacers than I needed. And then I lost them all. So I picked this guy up late, uh, talked to him a few times, an amazing guy in the trail running community. He's an awesome dude. Uh, totally agreed to it was like honored to be a part of it, which is awesome. Uh, because it's a big commitment for somebody to pace you. You kind of lose sight of it being an ultra runner, I guess, you know, he had her still to run 20 miles for me, you know, with me. So for some people that's a lot and it's a lot to ask of people. So it was even hard for me to find people to replace like, Hey, I need you to run 20 miles with me. We're going to run into the dark. We're going to have headlamps. Uh, this guy volunteered to do it and man, like six hours on the trail or so with him. Deep talk, like right there, you get to have some deep conversations that you don't normally get to have about marriage and highs and lows in your marriages, things that everybody goes through, but you don't get to talk about them. So it was such an amazing experience. Like you don't get to have, how often do you have deep conversation with people? So I cherish that so much. So when I come out of it, the guy's my you know best friend now. Like he's awesome getting to know him on a personal level like that. That was something I value and will want to continue doing these races for things like that. Uh, I, I guess around that time I started having foot issues, which I don't never had before. And I don't know why, but my feet were starting to get hot spots, you know, and you don't want to blister because it's a long time to run with blisters. So I had to stop a couple of times in the middle of the night, tape my feet up, which I'm glad I did. I did it preventatively 
tape my heels up. Uh, they have people at the aid stations that are medical staff because a lot of people end up getting hurt or have blisters or whatever, dehydration. I mean, they're ready. This was a, I should say it was a well-run event too. Like the aid stations were amazing. The aid station where I stopped and got my heels taped up, it was dark. And as we approached it in the dark, there's lights everywhere. I can see lights like it's a disco party or something. I just see lights in the middle of the woods, which is the craziest thing. I get there <laughs> and they're all dressed in like Hawaiian gear and lays and reggae music playing. It's, I don't even know what time, it was around midnight. Like that as a runner, when you're at a low spot, just brings you to life. Like they don't, they know that, but I mean, they, they don't know how much you appreciate that. Like to that just that little bit, a little bit of reggae. I'm kind of just bouncing my head with guy taping my feet, just, just kind of bringing me back to life. Cause something I, I sh should mention when you go through ultras, there's always high is a roller coaster of emotions. You'll go from feeling great mm. to next thing you know, for some reason, your quad feels twitchy, your calf feels twitchy <clears> and you hit a low, you know, you feel terrible. And then you kind of get to that point, like, Oh my God, I got another 60 miles to go. You know, all that stuff kind of goes through it. So it's a constant mental battle of highs and lows, but just kept moving along. Uh, we hit a really bad section that got me pretty bad mentally where a storm hit, uh, uh, that Thursday, Friday going into it, we had some real bad storms, knocked trees down over the trail to where you couldn't even see. And we hit them in the dark. They did their the best they could to kind of route the trail around it, but they didn't have time to clear it. So you're climbing over trees. You could barely lift your legs. Anyway, it was probably 50 miles in and, uh, that hit, that got me to a pretty low point. It got me behind schedule, like a lot. I didn't realize how bad it got me pretty far behind schedule. Um, so when I came into the next aid station to pick up my next pacer, we were behind, I was feeling kind of shitty. I had to get my feet taped again. Um, I didn't realize it, but when I did that, it was taking a little, a little while for medical staff to do it. So, uh, my wife tells me I was, I spent like 28 minutes at that aid station, which is a long time. I had 13 minutes allotted for each aid station with a crew. Um, so I lost more time there, but kind of took off into the night with Jody. She was my next pacer and going through the night, which I've done some night running. So I was at least ready for it. And I was actually looking forward to the night because it was getting down to like 50 degrees. So you lose the temperature aspect. Um, but just being in the dark, it was slow. And then we hit a real brutal, real rocky ravine, a long downhill that I couldn't run. I had to walk it. And then as soon as you got to the bottom, it made a turn. And you basically came up everything. You just came down in a different section. So that one got me real bad mentally. You know, I couldn't go fast. I was kind of getting wobbly at that point from the sleep deprivation and just exhaustion. You know, certain times I go to step on a rock and I start going backwards and we stopped at some point, you know, I stopped to, to go to the bathroom. I had to take a leak quick and I went to turn around and grab my poles and I just fell backwards. It was a real slow fall, but it's the only time I fell during, I couldn't catch myself. Like it's just, that level of exhaustion. What, what hour was this? This would have been probably around two, three in the morning. It was so probably almost, it was probably close to 24 hours in. Actually, yeah, that was probably close to 24 hours, right before dawn. So it was probably around 5 a.m. 24 um, hours of nonstop. Yep, nonstop, moving. other than what the few minutes you stop at an aid station and then when my crew would be there. Right. So. Which is, again, that's the longest I run. 19 hours was the longest run prior mm -hmm. to that. So, And then you had another 11 hours to go. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. So it just, I mean, um, you try to, 
your brain can't really process that much. Like I've had a lot of people asking me this question. Like they're like, I can't even fathom 103 miles. Like how did, how was it or whatever? And I'm like, I can't even, your brain can't comprehend it. You have to break it down into pieces, which another thing ties back into CrossFit or any kind of workout, anything I do, if it's really difficult, break it down into little chunks. Like literally you just go, like you said, the eight stations are anywhere from five to eight miles apart. So you're breaking it down, just get to the next aid station. Like that's your reward. Get to that aid station, get yeah. something to eat, maybe get some hot food. They'll have pierogies and grilled cheese and just take that little bit of a stop, get something to eat. So it's just breaking it down into chunks. Like to me, it was a bunch of small runs. It was a 40 mile run on my own and then three 20 mile runs with some friends. You know, it's just to put it all together, your brain can't comprehend 36 hours. It's just too much. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in yeah, one so was, shot. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot to think about. Yeah. You don't realize you're spanning two days. Um, so I guess I hit a real low point there. I didn't realize. So I got, I slowed down there when I got to the next aid station, it was kind of the old theme and I didn't realize this is where I picked up Andy. So Andy and I have a little history of running together at least, but right back to where we were at world's end. Like as soon as I got there, this thing, this aid station was Christmas themed and I didn't even get to check it out. Like it was cool. They were all Christmas and I didn't even go into the aid station. I didn't have time. I sat down in my chair, my crew, it was legit like a NASCAR, you know, pit stop, like bam, like my wife's pulling my shoes off, pulling my socks off, you know, I'm changing my shirt. They're giving me nutrition, refilling my water. It was so, they were so efficient. It's like, we've done it. People even, they said people commented on how efficient they were. Um, and we, it was a really our first time doing a race like that. So I, I owe everything to them for helping me do that. And like, they got me in and out. They're like, you got to go. You have two and a half hours to the next aid station. So that's when I knew I'm like, I'm up against it. Like I'm okay. Now I'm fighting cutoffs, which is not where I wanted to be. I projected I'd be ahead of that, but it's familiar territory. And again, I'm not, I'm not going to quit, but coming out of that is one of the biggest climbs of the race. So you're at mile 80, uh, 80. Yeah. Right at mile 80, you hit one of the biggest climbs of the race and Push through it. Like it, it slows you down a little bit, but push through it. Got to the next aid station with like a half an hour to spare. I'm like, all right, feeling pretty bad. Like I, I try not to complain. Like it's a privilege that I get to do this. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not one who's like miserable and whiny, but I told Andy, like at that, I'm like, I have never been in this much pain in my life. Like every, like this is new hurt. territory. Yeah. <laughs> territory. Like my whole entire leg hurt. And then my feet were just wrecked. Like not visibly wrecked, but they were wrecked. Like they just hurt from that much pounding for that long. Uh, I told him like, like I, I'm dude, I'm, I'm in the most pain in my life, like that I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. So, but he's got his job is to push me, but not push me too hard. But listen, I'm like, Hey, we got to try to jog here. When I just, I'm like in my head, I'm like, dude, just let me, let me the hell alone. I just want to walk, dude. I want to <laughs> walk. I don't know how much pain I'm in, but it's his job. That's why he's there. It sneaks up on you, man. It sneaks up on you. And that thought process sneaks up on you too. Like you, you start to justify stopping and, yeah. ju and it's saying, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. We can, we can take a break now. You can, be, you know, play the victim to the race in a way. Yep. And then a there's a turning point, right? There was there a turning point for you where you're like, Oh, I'm almost done. Let me, let me get after it. Yeah. So that was another pretty low spot. It was pretty slow, but we hustled. I knew where I had to be. There was the last aid station where I had a crew there. Um, it was called Barron's. It was 90, 93 miles in. Um, 
And at that point, he tells me, um, so I'm a member of their gym, uh, I guess because of my job, I should mention, I kind of, I couldn't really go to tried and true anymore. I've been trying to make it work, but I'm far enough away. Uh, it's more of like a boot camp style gym, you know, a class gym. Uh, this is when he told me, hey, just so you know, like when we get to the end, there's going to be, a, we, we, there's going to be a lot of people there for you to finish. Basically giving me motivation. And for anybody that's running ultra, you get super emotional. I don't care how tough you are. Mm -hmm. um, I've never really cried during them, but I got choked up. Like even during World's End, like he would start talking about my kids. Man, even when you're not emotional, like talking about your kids is, is deep, you know, telling me that I'm an inspiration. He said all the right things. Mm -hmm. uh, then doing that, uh, he told me that there was people at the end. And then I kept visualizing that. Uh, and we get to the, we get close to the next aid station, like we're making it. And I just hear this roar, this cheering, but I know that only my crew is allowed there. But I'm like, somehow did they get people from the gym there for me? And it just, it overwhelmed with emotion, like all this cheering, like I'm a freaking superstar. I'm crying coming into the aid. Like I started crying. Like I couldn't hold it back. He's crying. Like it's emotional <laughs> for him. He, he ran 20 miles and ever for everybody that was a part of it. Um, they all cried. Like even at world's end, they cried when they thought, Oh my God, he's not going to make certain cutoffs when they're waiting for me at, at aid stations. My wife's crying. Jody's crying because they know how hard it is, I guess. But I, I started crying there, but crying out of joy and I get there and it's legit. Just the three people from my crew. It was the people at the aid station cheering that loud. There was a whole crew of them. I think I'm like, I told him at the end, I'm like, dude, you guys, were amazing. Like what you did was amazing. You don't know what that does for people. That mm. was awesome. So coming out of there, like I got there, we were in and out real quick. We had 15 minutes to spare. Uh, Jody rubbed biofreeze all over my legs, which like was amazing. Your legs are that sore. It just kind of brought me back to life. Uh, that energy they gave me and I, and I knew I could do it at world's end. So I had 10 miles to go and I just took off running. Like I had that emotion in me. So there I was kind of regained some strength. And I took off and I ran and I just kept going. Um, it ended up only being for three miles, but it felt like a long way. But so I ran my fastest of the race at about 93 miles in. Um, I ran three miles, my fastest three miles of the race. I forget what I hit. doesn't really matter. I guess they were 11, 12, 13 minute miles, which, you know, I'm averaging closer 18 to 20 minute miles. So it was crazy fast. And we ended up, we just started passing people. And Andy's like, hell yeah, like, this is what we need, like push. And some girl even stopped and made the comment like, oh, my God, that is a whole other gear. I didn't hear it at mm -hmm. first because I'm just focused on running. We passed like six people in a short duration. But Andy told me that after. I'm like, that's even more motivation. I'm like, for someone else on the course to say that, like, that's a different gear. So then I felt good. So I ran my ass off. I'm like, all right, don't hurt yourself. I didn't want to fall because your legs don't work. Uh, I stopped and, and kind of gauged where we were at. I looked at my watch. I'm like, seven and a half miles to go or seven miles ago. And I think I had three and a half hours to do it here. He thought I had two and a half hours. We kind of had a little disagreement. I'm like, oh, I think we got three and a half. He looked at it wrong. So we're like, all right, we can kind of take it easy now. But once I hit that in my mind, I'm like, it's over. Like I got it three and a half hours ago, seven miles. I can do that. It's a lot harder than it sounded. Like I still mm -hmm. pushed it. It still took me, I think about three hours to do it, but I kind of walked a lot of it. Cause at that point it's like, all right, don't hurt yourself. Don't mm -hmm. twist an ankle. Don't do something stupid. I hadn't cramped up, which is amazing. No cramps. It's just, just pain that you're pushing through. Uh, um, 
so we just kind of slowly hiked it out. Uh, we, I don't know if you if you got to see him. There's some there's some good videos on on Facebook where he videoed the last ten miles. So he didn't tell me he was going to do this until we we took off. Um, he videoed the last ten miles. We kind of hit a section where there's rattlesnakes. So there's some funny. We stopped to play with the rattlesnakes a little bit. He's petrified of them, so it was what? awesome. Yeah. I mean, we didn't play with them, but like I stopped, looked at it. I knew they would be there. It's a, it's a trail that the first, it ended, I ended up finishing on a trail that was the first trail I'd ever run on my own. So that was kind wow. of thing too. And I knew there was rattlesnakes in the one spot and he's petrified. He's a big guy, like six, three, you know, big dude, petrified of snakes. So <laughs> there's a funny video where I'm kind of moving just sticks around just to look at the snakes. I'm not, I don't mess with them, but it, it was hilarious. Um, and I guess I should mention, I forgot to mention, like at this time, again, talking about my kids gets me damn emotional. Um, Jenna had the kids record a video and my daughter um, kind of giving me inspiration, telling me how I'm good I'm going to do. He's playing it for me while I'm running. He's videoing it. The good part is it's from behind me. So you can't see me crying in front. You only see from the <laughs> back. People, people know that they commented, they can see me reach up, kind of wipe my eye. But you don't realize how hard it is to run while you're crying because you can't breathe. But that that got me. But I guess those are all my high points towards the end. He's videoing it, you know, playing the video of my kids again. I already got to hear it earlier in a race. My wife played me a different one for motivation. And it just it gets you super emotional. But from there on out, we just kind of walked it out. Um, we tried to run where we could, but I tried I tried to take it easy. Um, until we could hear people cheering, you know, we're kind of coming down off the mountain. Uh, you come down off the mountain, you cross the road, and then you round a corner, and there's a long stretch. Um, and every time, uh, multiple times, is something I do, like I visualize. I had already, it's weird, it sounds cocky, and I hate to, so I hate to say it, but before I even started, like, I visualized myself crossing a finish line. Like, I'm like, I'm going to finish. Before, I, like, I've never run this, it's arrogant, you know, naive. You're going to finish a hundred mile race. You've only run 60 miles, but I've already visualized me finishing it. And then when he told me there's going to be people there, I kept visualizing me running and just a crowd cheering for me and people that I know. And again, I would start freaking crying, breaking down. <laughs> uh, so like Every to time. round the corner and, and to see everybody, it just, it's just a flood of emotion. Like you made it. You and planned then that too. You, you visualized it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, projected myself i already knew i was going to be there. so i was in the right mental space even though i hadn't done it it's just like again i knew i'm not going to quit unless i die or i get hurt like if i break my leg i'm not going to keep going mm -hmm. but either they're going to pull me off the course because i run out of time or i'm going to go like i'm going to finish so, so what was your what was your uh finishing time total time running uh, 35 hours and 25 minutes and the cutoff is 36 hours it's a so, long time to be on your feet. A really long yeah. time. With the, with the longest amount of time that you were off of your feet being 25 to 28 minutes total. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Man. Which for the most part, I try to avoid that. You know, it just, it, most aid stations, I'd say standing because it's just better. Once you sit down, you don't want to get out. Everything's yeah. different. What, um, and this is the really... By the way, awesome man! Good, good effort. Good congratulations. That's a, such a big accomplishment. I, I've tried. I mean, I've run um, a lot in my life. Longest was a fifty k. So awesome. 
so I know what it's, I know what the, I know what it's like to be at that starting line at five o'clock in the morning. Everyone's silent. Yep. And those first 20 miles are strange. You're not really sure what's going on and where you are. And yeah, it's, that's awesome. And yeah. uh, what, tell, break down what happened after that. So like in the days following, what was your psyche like? What, what was the recovery process like? Um, a lot of reflect, first of all, I mean, a lot of thanking people, messaging people to like thanking First of all, right at the finish line, thanking everybody that was there because I don't, it was probably like 30 people. And again, if you've run, you know, usually when you finish a race or anybody finished or I've only ever seen husband or wife or maybe parents there's a, there's a couple people at most i have never seen a crowd of people and it's not because of me they were there for me but they're not there because of me they're there because of the community that we built and because they want to see people doing cool things so and then my brother showed up which was super emotional he drove all the way up from hershey i didn't know he was going to be there with his new baby and his wife you know my mom was there i didn't know these people were going to be there so it started with that. And then just being super thankful that I even have family to come to it. Cause I had a friend that finished the race and no, you know, he had his trail family there, but nobody from his family, they just, they don't understand. And I was in that place at one point. So I get it. Um, so I felt super fortunate, but then also guilty. Like I had this huge crowd for me and some people don't have anybody. They didn't even have crews. Some people, they were there by themselves. So it's a little bit of joy but then uh, there's a lot of guilt, like, why, you know, what makes me so special that all these people would come for me and no one else gets this. Like, I'm not winning the race. I'm not even in the top 50%. You know, I'm at the damn bottom. I barely finished. So there was a lot of that. And then just a lot of reflecting, like I said, the relationships I built, talking with John, talking with Jody, talking with Andy, just how cool of an experience it was, all the people being there just for, I mean, it's still going now. It's kind of, dying off a little bit at least a solid week up until when I just saw you guys over the weekend just feelings of being grateful just replaying things to your head and reminding yourself like I get to do this you know I <laughs> my legs work you know I'm just whatever you, you can look at anybody's situation like you're there's all so many people people in a worse situation than you I get to do this I chose to do it I'm not in a country where I can't be free I'm not where I have to fear for my life again my legs work I'm not sick so, uh, and it's pretty cool. I should admit at, at the end, there's a super emotional too. There's, there's a girl who's uh, awesome in the, in the running community. Her daughter has brain cancer. So then having kids, like just you're fortunate for that and seeing her, that her daughter was there handing out the belt buckles. You get a buckle for longer races. So mm -hmm. handing out the buckles at the end was awesome. Just seeing her being out there going through chemo and stuff. Like, again, it just makes you so damn grateful. You're alive. You get to do this shit. So it's, just feelings of that throughout the whole week. Um, and then to go into the recovery piece, you could argue it's probably not smart, um, but probably a little less than 24 hours after finishing. So the very next day, I waited till the afternoon. It was a 4.30 class. So I finished around 4.30. So it was almost 24 hours. I went to class um, for a couple of reasons. But after World's End, I did it. I hurt like hell. Most races, you know, I take a few days. You're stiff. You have a hard time walking. Moving helps me recover. Sitting around, I just mm -hmm. you stay stiff. And I found that doing the workout 
help me recover. So I already had it in my head. I'm like, I'm going to go, especially because they were so shocked after World's End. Like nobody expected me to be there after running World's End, let alone after Eastern State. So I'm like, I'm going to go. And it kind of sets an example. Like I, it doesn't matter how much I'm hurting. What you just did, just go in. And I wasn't 100%. Like you could, I, I don't think you always have to go into the gym and give 100%. Just go in and move. I was going through the motions because I couldn't push hard, which bothers me. Someday. There's an ego part there. Like you want to push your best but just go through the motions. And then, you know, they turn around, kind of use that, Jody and Andy use that as a, a motivational post for everybody else, which I didn't know they were gonna do, but that kind of made me emotional again. Like, look, he just did this, now he's here again. You know, I, you don't like to celebrate yourself, but it was, it was cool that they did that. You know, he just did this and yet he's still coming and putting in. Like, if you wanna do something cool, just go and put in the time. Like, you don't always have to give 100%. Some days you feel like shit, but to me, some people may disagree, but it's okay to just go through the motion sometimes, but you did it. It was better than not moving at all. And so that, that definitely kind of, helped you, right? That definitely yeah. helped you with the getting back, getting back in the swing. Have you, have you run since then? Yes. Yeah. So, um, and I should like, when I went to the class too, I should mention, this is a weird side effect. I went, I put, I put on my road running shoes, which are really thick and cushiony. It's mm -hmm. already in a cushion environment, but I knew my feet hurt. My feet were so swollen that you could see it bulging out the sides of my shoes. They were so tight and they're a very soft upper. It's sort of like a knit upper bulging my shoes out for a few days. Um, I didn't plan on running. Uh, I just ran. It was last Sunday. So I guess when I saw you guys Saturday, so I got up mm -hmm. Sunday morning after seeing you guys and we were up pretty late. So I hadn't seen Ron in a long time. So, you know, we were up pretty late. You know, I had some beers. I was enjoying myself celebrating. So I woke up not feeling great, but a girl, the girl that crewed me, uh, Jill, she's running a, a race this week and there's high in her half and she does really well. So she's looking to win the race. So she just needed someone to go out with her, get some miles in her knees been bothering her. So I went out and did it. We did, we did about five miles. Um, so that's the first I had run in it. I wasn't, I'm not really that sore. I, there was things that were sore then that I realized like, okay, these are still fatigued as I'm climbing the hill. Like um, my glutes were bothering me more than anything. Like there's things that are still fatigued that you don't realize. What's next? What is, uh, don't, don't, don't go there yet. I'm, I'm, that, that's, that's the second question in the back of my head. Fine. What is this done for and, and not just Eastern States, but all of it. Okay. Cause one, I think, I think um, a big takeaway that our listeners can take is the fact that you don't always have to be fully prepared to do the thing. You can, you can, you can, you, as long as you are putting in work, you can still go for it. You know, it doesn't have to be full blown preparation. You don't have to be like, well, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't follow that best training program. Like I could have, I'm probably not going to do this. No, like, like you just said, all right, this is what I've done. This is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. And that's that, like, that's awesome. Like, and let's I, see what happens. Yeah. Like mentality. Like that, that's, that's one thing that I would love for, people to take away from this is the fact that hey sometimes you're gonna have to go do the thing without preparing fully 
And then my question is, you know, you, you had mentioned, you know, oh man, I get to do this. It was emotional. Uh, you found gratitude in, in, in this difficult, challenging task. What has your perspective moving through the last, what do we have? Week and a half, almost two weeks. Yeah. What is, what is your perspective been like navigating these last two weeks? Like, are you looking at things differently? Are you approaching things differently? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking at things different. I've been getting, so coming out of this, you get a lot of, I've been getting a lot of deep questions, which I appreciate. Like there's so much surface level talk and I'm always wanting deeper conversations. So I've been getting a lot of really deep questions. You know, people like asking me, like, when did you realize you were different? And like, at what point do you realize you're not the same, you know? things but again you hate to talk about like I don't like talking about myself like I don't want to be arrogant um but at the same point I want to kind of celebrate you know what I did so it's it's like towing a line there I guess um but it's definitely changed my perspective like knowing I'm proving to myself again like if I just set my mind to something I can do it and and that a lot of things are mental something already I've said it but now I'm kind of living it that you know a lot of things your, your brain gives up way before your body does. Like your body will go to such lengths if you just set your brain there. I was undertrained. Like a lot of people, you tell a lot of people in the running community, they'd probably be like, that's stupid. <laughs> attempt it. Like it's unsafe even <laughs> to, to go into something like that with that little training, um, which takes me back. You kind of, if you would ask me for a final thought, you kind of stole it from me. But what you just said, uh, I was going to say, do shit, even if you're not ready. Um, not not meaning just don't even train or whatever, but there's certain things like so many people say like, okay, I'll I'll do CrossFit, I'll sign up for the gym once I get in. I need to get in a little better shape first, then I'll do it. No, you're not in shape for a reason because you're not working out now. You're not going to work out to get in shape to go to the gym. So don't just go sign up for the gym. You're not ready, and do it. Get in shape. Same way for the races, like. If I would have waited until I was ready for a triathlon, I probably would have trained for like a couple of years. And had I known what it entailed, I would have probably been scared and talked myself out of it. So to a certain extent, I'm like, just sign up, just do stuff. And it gives you something to train for. Like you sign up for it mm-hmm. at this age, like we're, we're kind of craving that competition or what do you do? You don't have sports or whatever. You're, you're craving that side of things. So it's like, gives you something to train for. It gives you a purpose. Um, so like sign up for stuff, even if you're not ready, like, just, and it doesn't have to be a hundred mile or it can be, no. it can be, you know, a 5k or a yeah, CrossFit class a 5K. or a yoga class or something. Yeah. You just, you just reminded me of another quick question is on the other side of this achievement. Did you find, uh, did you find what you were looking for? So it's funny you asked this. So it's kind of a negative answer. It's okay. Um, no, like the, the joy is in the journey, the buildup, the visualizing, like the crying, like I haven't cried after it. It's, it's visualizing that finish line and the whole buildup and the experience. And what I just, I forget who I just told this the other day, but once it happened, like now it's over now, it's almost like a hangover. Like, Oh shit. Like, okay. Like I I'm, what am I going to do? So what next? Like so many people are asking what's next. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, 
it's all this buildup. And then once you've achieved your goal, it's weird. It's not, it's satisfying, but not, it's never quite what you expect, I guess. Like you expect to just ride that high, it goes away. And then it's like, okay, what's next? So I guess the, the joy is in the journey, the experience of getting there, appreciating that, like all the experiences I had leading up to this. So what is next? So, um, because uh, a girl had posted on Facebook about doing this 5K, the wine glass 5K, which wine glass event is up in Corning, New York. It's supposed to be pretty cool. Um, she posted about it on Facebook months ago. And just as a joke, you know, I called her out. I'm like, what? I'm like, don't do the, I'm like, if you do the marathon, I'll do the marathon. Just kind of being a little bit of a prick. And uh, I didn't know that she actually always wanted to do a marathon. Signs up for it, sends me the, the thing. And like, here you go. I signed up. I'm like, shit. Like I called her out and she stepped up to the plate. So, damn. But a part of me kind of wanted to do it. But I'm like, after Eastern State, it was kind of burning me out. The training for Eastern States was burning me out a little bit, even though I didn't put in the miles of everybody else. It's just a lot of pressure on you. So I was going to be done. Well, but- not only is it a lot of pressure, but it takes a lot of time. And you and like you miss out on things. You know, right. you're you're a husband and a father. So I, I think it's incredible that you were able to accomplish this on minimal training. And, you know, could you have done more? Should you have done more? Who fucking cares? It's over. You accomplish that shit. And you, and you know what, man? Like, I, I hear you on this whole, like, riding the line of arrogance, you know? Like, you deserve in every right to celebrate like like that's a huge accomplishment that not a lot of other people are going to be able to compare to in a physical sense so celebrate the hell out of that and you know when we ride the line of arrogance it's just it's the difference between celebrating and boasting it's not like you're rubbing it in people's faces you're just fucking happy like and you and you have every right in the world to celebrate that yeah it's just Everyone you talk to, like a random person in the store, you just kind of want to tell them, like, dude, I just did this this weekend. Um, that was a, another part you kind of asked, like, how the week after went. I had multiple people kind of reach out to me and tell me, which is super deep, like, you're inspiring people that you don't even realize. Like, people are seeing it on Facebook or seeing whatever. Like, I just want to let you know you're inspiring people without even knowing it. Um, like, we really appreciate it and stuff. Uh, a guy at the gym you know, just starting his weight loss journey, kind of getting into, you know, trying to get into better shape, signed up for a half marathon, a trail half marathon, you know, Jenna, that night, I think signed up for a trail half marathon and already talking about wanting to do Heiner 50k at some point. So it's, that's been super cool. Hell uh, yeah. You know, for, for people to say that to you, but again, it's something I don't like, like, oh, I'm inspiring people. Like, again, it feels almost weird to say that to other people like you feel like you're boasting a little bit but it is so cool I mean you, you get it as a co- I'm not a coach so I've never had that before um and it's so rewarding for people to tell you that you're inspiring them or asking you for advice that's one of the coolest things ever man like if I get everybody to run or do just I and it does not have to be it doesn't even have to be an ultra again I could be a 5k like there was a time and that was really hard for me and I don't look down on a 5k some people will say like oh I'm gonna do this it's nothing like what you've done it doesn't matter I don't give a shit I don't look down for somebody for run a 5k 10k half whatever it is if it's the hardest thing you've ever done that's amazing that is amazing my friend 
so coming up, you're doing a marathon, which is relatively a quarter of what you just did. Yes. So is it a road run or a trail run? So it is. So it's a road run. So that'll be a different animal in that I've never run a road marathon. I kind of jumped through all this crazy shit and never actually ran a road marathon. I ran that first road half marathon. So this will be my first time running a road marathon. Um, I don't know what kind, I'm going to start doing some road running, but probably not a ton of training for it just to see what I can do. It's going to be a different animal because of the pace. Like you run a higher pace. You don't have the hills where it's up and down. Um, I've never kind of run. You're almost running, I guess, against your rev limiter at that point. So I don't know how nutrition will be um, taking in water, like how that's all going to feel. And then running at that limit, like, am I going to cramp? So it is a different animal. Um, it's not that I'm not taking it seriously, but after what I did, it's like, all right, I'm still going to go out and just enjoy it. Like I know I'll finish, just enjoy it. Absolutely. You don't want to, you don't want to have an ego going into it. Oh, I did that. I can do this because exactly. it's, it's not the same at, at all. And, and I know that from just looking at it, like it's completely different animal. Um, so yeah, man, congratulations. Thank you. Amazing accomplishment. Do you think you'll do it again? Man, I got that question so many times. Uh, immediately after my answer was absolutely not like never. And even going into it, I said, if I finish the triple crown, which I guess was the 50, Heiner 50K, World 100K, and then Eastern States 100, that I'm done. Like I'll never do any of those again. And now it, I guess the thing is what's next? Like I'm contemplating what I'm going to do next. And then I almost feel like I need to keep doing cool stuff. Um, challenging myself and it was such an emotional experience like to go through that like what else in life gives you that and gives you those experiences so I think next year I'm going to take it a little easy um, I plan to do an Ironman distance triathlon that'll be my focus I'll do some I'll do their local trail races uh, just focus on shorter distance I'm trying to help Jenna train her next year I'd like to get her built up because the more she runs the better it is for me because we run together it's awesome to have something you share with your spouse um, and then I think maybe 2022, look at it. So it's on my radar. I think you had a guy on here that did Moab. Something that those, one of those races, uh, that one's a 240 mile race. There's a Tahoe or maybe did Tahoe. There's a Tahoe 200, Bigfoot 200 and Moab. At some point, that's the next level, but that's logistics. It's, I gotta go out West for that, California for a lot of it. So that's in the future, but I feel I, I'll probably do one. I don't know if I'll do Eastern States again. I'll always be a part of it now. I'll either pace people or volunteer because of how appreciative I am of what they did for me, the volunteers, my pacers. And then at some point I'll probably get dumb and do it again. Like for, you know, I, I equate it to women having kids. Like once they forget how much pain they are in, like, Oh, let's have a kid again. You know, <laughs> going to be that like, once I forget how much pain I was in, um, but you kind of already forget, like, it's hard to imagine the pain you're in. And you just think of all the cool stuff that happened. Hell yeah. Have you considered um, documenting and telling your story as, as you go through these types of things? I haven't. Like, I don't know. I, get, I, I guess I don't like to, I, get, I don't really like to celebrate myself. So I, I kind of thought about it. Then I'm like, oh, I wonder how, how that would be. But yeah, I guess I, if I ask around, if there would be interest in that, like maybe I could do something like that. Like if people... I mean, I get, people probably would appreciate it because I watch it. Like I watch other people on YouTube documenting, going on runs. You know, I'm a, 
I'm a weirdo like that. I watch them doing long runs or, you know, I even watch people working out. Do you watch people doing CrossFit? Like it's just, yep. so if I want it, I guess other people want it. So that's a thought. It's not something I've thought a lot about, but um, that might be pretty cool to kind of share the experience. I have to get used to talking. Would to you, a- would you want our listeners to be able to follow along with that um, anywhere? If you decide to start documenting. If I decide I guess to not pollute my Facebook, I'll probably put it on Instagram. Like I try to use them as separate platforms and I don't use Instagram a lot. Okay. But I will probably start putting it on there. If I would start documenting it, I put it on YouTube, but I would share it on my Instagram first to kind of give people a direction. What is your Instagram handle? Oh, I think it's Lamy underscore Jordan. I, I believe that is correct. Yeah, I believe that's what it is. Well, all right, man. Thank you so much for this awesome conversation and telling your story uh incredible thank you and i really appreciate you guys having me on here like i don't don't feel worthy of being interviewed for something like this you know but it i'm representing the average joes that can go out and do cool shit so i do really appreciate it everybody has a story to tell and and uh it'll benefit someone and and if when you it's it's kind of similar to the whole finish lines, not finish times, you know, right. it's uh, if if you're if you're doing things for the right reason, then you do them. So run your races, tell your stories. Yeah, it's 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 going to. We have the ability to inspire others and a lot of people need inspiration. I, yeah, I, I got to get better at it um, for sure. But I, I appreciate you giving me a chance to tell my story. Everyone, like I could talk on this for three hours. You know, I could have went into depth on so much more stuff. So I appreciate uh-huh. the to tell my story. Everybody likes to tell their story and to actually have a platform to do that is amazing. So I do really appreciate it. Thank you, Jordan. And to our listeners, uh, be sure to sign up for the Language of Leadership Workshop on October 13th at 6 p.m. By the time that you hear this, the link will be live. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Matt, who I had to take off and is no longer with us. And again, thank you so much, Jordan, for sharing with us. Yes, thank you.